Hi, you're listening to Chris and Shaz and the Mother of All Roles podcast. Two real mums talking about real issues in an attempt to make the ordinary extraordinary. Remember to like, love and share this podcast if you think it is as amazing as we do. And if you absolutely love one of our episodes uh, or all of them, pop us a review on iTunes or Spotify. We're on both. It really helps us to know how we are connecting with our audience. And of course, we want to keep bringing you the best content possible. So let me introduce my co-host, Sharon Halliday, who is an author, columnist, Reiki practitioner, angel intuitive, copywriter, speaker, and of course, mother to Leo 9 and Eva 6. And I am Christine Evans, aka Chris, wife and mum to two gorgeous girls, Anna 7 and Kate 5. And I'm the founder of Mummy Jobs Australia, delivering services and products to support mums in gaining career confidence and advancement. Okay, Chris. So thank you for those uh, introductions. Last month, we spoke about losing sight of our goals in the Christmas rush and how it wasn't too late to um, catch up with those goals and how critical it is not to waste the time that we have in this lead up to Christmas. So today, I'm thrilled to announce that we have our very first guest speaker on Chris and Shaz in The Mother of All Roles. Today, the amazing and inspiring Karen Phillip is joining us to talk about the male and female brains and how by communicating better, we can live a better life. Uh, That sounds pretty good to me. I'm very excited to learn um, what she has to say. And Chris, maybe you can share with our listeners some more about uh, Karen and what she does. Well, okay, Shaz, so lifestyle doctor Karen Phillip is a counselling psychotherapist and clinical hypnotherapist. She specialises in family and relationships with a a special interest in improving communication, such a critical area. Uh, You can jump over and follow Karen via her social handle, Dr. Karen Phillip, or her website, www.drkarenphillip.com. I've also, at this stage, I'd like to share a little story about how Karen and I came to know each other. Uh, Karen actually, uh, I have to say, was probably the best boss I've ever had. I worked for Karen for many years and, um, you know, as you know, Karen, um, our friendship spans some 20 years now, which is, you know, it's incredible. Uh, And I must add here that, you know, you have been such a huge inspiration in, in my business and my life journey. Uh, And I've seen Karen in that time change people's lives and share her expertise through, you know, numerous platforms, including radio, TV, and of course, books, which uh, today we're diving into. So welcome, Karen. We are thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much, Chris and Shaz. It's an absolute privilege to be on your podcast. So thank you so much for inviting me. Karen, thank you. Um, look, we're, we're just, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been to the bathroom because I'm so excited about this. <laughs> this is a topic I want to know a lot about. So we're going to dive straight in, launch into some Q&As with you so that our listeners can get to know you better, but also with the aim of them being able to have some takeaways from today that they might be able to implement into their life right away. Um, we're all about the practical advice here at Chris and Shaz. So you know, as an author myself, I'm always interested in the ideas behind books. And I am curious to know the reason why you wrote your latest book, Communication Harmony, the three powerful secret words to eliminate the drama and conflict from every conversation. 
uh, easy uh, response there from me there, Shaz. The reason I wrote is I've been a, a therapist, a counselling psychotherapist for about 20 years now, and I do specialise in families and I love working with couples. And what I've found most of the time when they came in, there was a problem and I hate to use the gender bias, but I'll have to. She <laughs> says, we can't communicate. He won't talk. Mm. And I start asking questions and then I sort of stop after about 15 minutes. I stop him talking and go, you know what? There's nothing wrong with the way he communicates. But that what there is is a huge difference in the way that our brains, the male and female brain actually processes. Our emotions are very similar, but our processing style is very different. Once couples understand, can learn that, then their communication can open up. They can listen to things that they didn't understand before. They can ask the right questions. They can understand why he, for instance, can only talk about one or two things at once and she goes off on a tangent of eight, nine, ten things at once. And women do that very naturally. And it is a Yes, we are, which overwhelms him. And when he's overwhelmed, he shuts down. So therefore, we have this escalation of, of conflict and then that sin, well, tends to affect the sex within the relationship and then that reacts badly and then the communication falls down even further and so on. So I was going on with, um, with couples explaining these to them and I thought, you know what, rather than me dealing with two people over and over again talking about the same thing, I'm simply <laughs> going to put it all down in a book. I wrote 250 pages to explain it all. And the people that I've shared it with, the couples that I've worked with have gone from escalated conflict that I mean sometimes on an almost hourly basis wow. to no arguments at all. I remember one, one couple and this was the one I thought, okay, I'm going to use these particular words and if they can, they can get it, then this has got to be foolproof. 12 years of marriage. They came a couple of times over a few years, never followed up. Fair enough. A lot of couples do that. But they would fight and I mean fight almost hourly. They had one child and I don't know really why they were together, this couple. They did nothing but argue. Their lives were not happy. So I shared with them, I, I kept them there for two hours in my room. Normally an hour appointment, two hours. <laughs> I went through the words. I explained the, the gender difference and we finished at 4 p.m. They arrived at two and we stood up and I said, okay, well, how about if you come back next week, a follow-up? He looked at his watch and he said to her, okay, it's four o'clock, do you reckon we'll last till six before we have another blow up? And she said, nah, not likely. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And they left. Well, long story short, they came back a week later. They were quite happy, sat down. I said, so how's it going? They looked at each other, they laughed and they said, you won't believe it. We have not had a fight Whoa. all week. This is the first time in our 12 year relationship that we haven't been at each other's throats. Wow. And I thought, Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> and, and this is the effect that these words can have and our, when people can understand mm. the differences of our processing. It is life-changing and it can wow. happen so quickly. And just That's eliminate... Huge you're right, Shaz. I'm just saying eliminate so many unnecessary conversations and stress and so much. Oh, my goodness. Look, we know, research tells us that when our relationships are happy, and this means our relationships with our partner, our extended family, at work, our children, we have better mental health. We have, we've improved emotional health. We have, we have a heightened sense of physical health. We have better immunity. There's no negatives, none at all. And the relationship isn't just about you and your partner. It's also about 
the relationship you have with your children, whether they're older or younger, with your parents, your in-laws, uh, your work colleagues, relationships are everywhere. So if we can improve all of our relationships, particularly starting within our home environment, then our life is easier, it flows better, we are healthier, we are happier. And that is what life should be for all of us. Well, I just find that incredible, that shift, that turnaround for that couple, uh, as you say, life-changing. And while I'd love to go the two hours and let you uh, di uh, dissect for us exactly what you think they actually went away and did, but there must have been in that uh, session with you, I'm assuming that you, you discussed those three powerful words. You um, talked about that processing and the differences and so in a sense, that must have been enough to create that transformation between them to be able to go away and I guess really think and take more positive action on the way that they were communicating with each other. It's an yeah. understanding that they achieve. And most of the time when someone says something to us, we automatically get offended or we get annoyed or we get angry or frustrated. We don't take the time to understand the reason that they've said what they've said or done what they've done. And so therefore, you know, we jump to these conclusions, we make a, a judgment call and bang, it's on. And, and this is where we go so wrong. But once that's able to be understood, and as I said, I basically covered the book in, in a few hours with them in, in a couple of hours, not all of it, but a good section of it. And it just made such a difference. I've, there was a chap that came in the other day. He was in his six, late 60s. His wife was about 10 years younger. They had a big blow up. She found him on some sites um, that she got offended with. And, and I said, well, what he said, what happened was that I got this damn email. He said, it was this weird email. I clicked on it and bang, this thing came up. He said, I wasn't searching for it. It was just there. And my wife happened to walk in just as I clicked and it opened into this very naughty site. So she assumed the worst and oh my God, the hell broke loose. Anyway, I went through a couple of the words with him. He came back um, two weeks later and I said, so how's it going? He said, well, it was interesting. He said, I said the words to her and, and the rest of the things that you suggested and she didn't respond. And I said, well, isn't, is that a good thing or a bad thing? He said, well, normally she'd just let loose and she'd go at me and we would argue. He said, but she didn't. She didn't. And I said, why? And he said, well, she really had nowhere to go, did she? And I said, precisely. Wow. <laughs> so so I guess anything before it started. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, that reframing and that that getting that clarity from the other person and um, yeah, doing it in a way I guess that honors the other person. Maybe there's a part of that in there. I'm hearing it's a kindness, a respect, an appreciation, and an understanding of of what it is. Look, we married this person. If it's a couple, we married them. We know they're a beautiful individual. We love them. We love so much about them. Yet we so often assume the worst. Uh, we we jump to these conclusions and judgments that are not fair for us or them. And that can actually start a spiral and we continue down that same spiral. And somewhere you need to stop. And that's what these words in this book is about. It's to stop the spiral and to set you on a different path, a clearer road, just like you, you were on when you first met. You know, you sort of get to know each other differently again, because as we evolve as human beings, we're not this, if we're 35, we're not the same person that we were when we were 15. 
or 25. We're going to be different again at 45. And of course, our base is the same with our morals, values, and so on, and our standards. But we as individuals continue to evolve. Our partner does. We do. And therefore, we need to make sure that we keep that, that communication going and adjusted as our life progresses. And this is what we don't learn. We don't learn communication. Communication is all about, I've got something to say. I've got something to tell you. And I want to put it in such a way that you understand and accept. Now, when, you know, we, we're not trained to do it, so we don't know how. Once you yeah. learn the how, easy. That's great. And look, I, I had a question for later on, but I'm just going to throw it in now while we're talking about um, relationships like our with our partners. You know, so much of what I hear from the mum on the street or at the school gate when it comes to communication and their partners often comes down to this uh, gender difference. Um, the conversations always seem to come back around to the idea that, you know, like you allude to, men and, brain, men and women's brains work differently, so we communicate differently. Um, and as you said, you address a lot of that in your book. But when it comes to relationships, have you got a, a bit of a hot tip takeaway in terms of uh, some quick advice of, you know, what could I start doing to demonstrate that I'm validating what my partner says? but also communicate in a way that I am being heard too. Okay. There's a couple of different things you're asking. Certainly the gender difference, and that, that's explained in the book. But just very briefly, men can process between three and five things at once. So if there are three, for instance, the first one is sex. The second one could be work or sport or food. The third one is sex. And the fourth <laughs> one something else. So men are often yeah. limited to one or two things. Women, on the other hand, can process seven to nine. So at any given second of any given day, they may be thinking of what I've got to do today. What do I look like in this? How does my hair look? I've got to ring mum. I've got to make that appointment. I've got to pick up the kids. I've got to get this for dinner. I've got to pay that bill. I've got to organise bank in yeah. their brain. Carry so you in my head. <laughs> so when men and women are talking and communicating, her head is going at a billion miles an hour. His has got one. And mm, if yep. you talked about one thing with him, it could be resolved. But instead, what women tend to do, and it's not a fault, it's just a difference. They'll go, well, what you said to me, I really got offended to. And you said that before. And what did you mean by that? And I remember last year when you said that. And then so-and-so said that to me. And I felt, and he's going, oh, my God, like are what? we talking about what I said? Or are we talking about what 20 other people have done over the last five years? And he gets overwhelmed and he shuts down. Therefore, the conversation can't continue. She believes it's him not communicating. He feels overwhelmed and bang, we end up in conflict. So we need to change that. But a takeaway, as far as a takeaway from, is that what you're after for, yep, for this just yep. some advice that I can implement straight away, or we all can implement straight away, I should say. Okay. The one thing I would like to, to give everyone is curiosity. Be curious. The next time you hear or see something you don't like or it feels uncomfortable, it doesn't matter if it's a word or phrase, even a look, be curious rather than assuming because this is what we do. We assume we know what they mean because in all likelihood, you may not. You, you may have connected a previous experience to their words or even their look or their phrase. So if your partner or even child, work colleague or friend says something that you hear or feel as harsh or negative, we stop. We ask them to clarify the reason they may have said it or if they could say it perhaps a little bit differently so we understand it better. We thank them for sharing and then we wait and we hear what they say. Now, often it's something completely different. 
uh, just as a very quick example, if you walk into the room and your child or your friend or your partner is, is doing something, they've got their back to you and you say, what are you doing? And they just jump at you and go, get out, get out. And you get offended. And you have a half and think, why did you say that? You don't know what they were doing. You don't know if they were preparing a special surprise for you or a gift. You have no idea, but we assume the negative. But if when they came out, you said, look, I was a bit offended by the way that sounded. Could you just please explain to me, being curious, what you meant by that? Oh, look, sweetie, I'm sorry. Or, oh, mum, I didn't mean to mm -hmm. say it that way, but I was planning something special. I can't tell you what it is but it's going to be a surprise. And you go, oh my God, how wonderful, how amazing they are. I'm so lucky. Or we could have just been very angry and critical of them. So just little things like that. So curiosity as to understand the reason that people do or say what they do. None of us generally get up in the morning and go, you know what? I'm just going to be mean and horrible today. Yeah. I'm just going to be nasty. We don't do that. We're good people. So if someone says or does something that you find offensive or harsh, then you ask them the reason for that. Be curious. And once that curiosity is understood, then you know what? We can assess, we can process, and we often can logicize. And the emotion is de-escalated. It comes down and we're able to have those, those conversations more logically rather than in high emotion. That's really helpful to us. And Chris, you know, uh, we were going to get Karen to set the challenge today and I think she just did that. Yeah, so we might, we might, what do you reckon, use that as the challenge? I think that's a great challenge for our listeners. And I think, um, yeah, absolutely. We might just recap on that towards the end to remind them as well. But I mean, I, I think something that Karen talked about, you know, starting the day and, um, you know, we don't set out in a poor way or attitude. It might be sometimes people hold grudges and those sort of things, but um, I, I think, I know, Shaz, you, uh, you were, we were talking about this previously before jumping on about, um, you know, Jim Quick and his notion. I don't know if you want to sort of delve into that, Shaz. Yeah, so we have, uh, we very much aspire to this idea from a bloke called uh, Jim Quick that if you win the morning, you can win the day. So um, we want, we'd love for you to share, Karen, with our listeners, what your morning routine involves. <laughs> Well, mine's very simple, but then again, mine's simple because I don't have young children in my home. That's <laughs> Although when I go down to my daughter's and take care of my grandson once a week, it is slightly different. But in my home, and this is something everyone will aspire to as their children grow and leave the house. <laughs> we get up in the morning at a, at a set time, depending on my work schedule. My husband always makes a cup of tea. That's his job. He brings it in to me. We catch up with the morning news. Um, I get up, get dressed, you know, do hair and makeup. Um, and then we go downstairs. And because it takes me a tad longer than him, he has a shave. He usually makes the cereal. We sit down, we have a chat, we talk about what we're doing. I might go through my diary and say, I've got these appointments. I've got this particular podcast, or I've got to be on such and such a show at, at later on today. And I ask what he's doing. And we just sort of give each other a cuddle and a kiss. And we go about our day. We try and meet up for lunch when we can, um, depending where he is and what I'm doing. And then we always have dinner together at night. But the morning is usually calm and not really stressed. However, when I'm with my grandson and when my children were young, it was slightly different. Sure. Uh, you know, three young kids. I had three children in under four years, so things were quite hectic. Mm. Uh, I had a, a husband then. I did upgrade 20 years ago. 
um, <laughs> then husband who was pretty useless actually, which is a reason why I upgraded. Um, but I sort of did it all myself. And, and I realized at one stage, cause my kids would get up and do swimming early in the morning. And then like most of us, we had busy afternoons, but it's like, you know what? I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier to make sure this or that's done. I'm going to make sure their lunch boxes are packed the night before. So I don't have to rush and do that. And I think it's vital that we get up and we, we don't run around and we don't yell and scream and we, we start our day in a more considered manner. We want our children going to school, not stressed, not, not with anxiety. We want them to, to see mum, preferably dad, as if he's still around before um, you know, he goes off to work early. And we want them to get that cuddle. We want them to have a hello and a smile and a laugh and to eat breakfast together and just to help them get dressed or brush their teeth mm. and get out the door, you know, without the pressure and the stress. And this is what's happening to so many families. The pressure and the stress is escalating. You know, gadgets are there and devices are there. So my rule was yeah. even years ago, no TV, no phones, no nothing. They're down. You will have them when you come home, but not in the morning. Uh, and I made a point of not, uh, you know, getting onto my phone either. So I set the example by by modelling that. I think if a lot of parents start to do that where they can, it will really help them set the day for a much better agenda within themselves for them and their children, actually. Yeah, you know, that modelling, it's such an important one. I um, recently went to a guy called Grant Cardone, asked him a bit of a question about this same topic and he said you know they're always watching it was a really key point that uh, that stuck with me actually and that's so true isn't it that modeling for our kids oh. setting that scene is uh super critical they will, they will do as you do they will speak as you speak they mm. will act as you act and when, when children are born they're they're clean little white slates they don't know how to be angry they don't know how to feel fear they don't even know what it is all they know is they need to be comfortable and fed um, and cuddled, but everything else they learn, their communication style, their behavioral style, their resilience is all learnt to mum from mum and dad. Mm -hmm. And so, if we're able to set that standard, but even when we when we you know do something we feel is inappropriate, or oh my god, I shouldn't have raised my voice, or oh my goodness, I shouldn't have said or done that, that's okay. We go to them and say, you know what, sweetheart, mum or dad did this, or we did this, or I said that, and that was inappropriate, that was wrong. What I should do next time instead is A, B or C. So what we're showing them is we're not perfect. They don't have to be perfect. But when something does go amiss, we pull up ourselves, we discuss it in a calm way, we apologise where need be, and then we set a different path of what we're going to do better or different next time. Yeah, always have that opportunity to, to change, um, you know, and I think you, you've spoken so much um you know, on the relationship element here, Karen, and, you know, our listeners are just going to get so much out of this. I'm so, so grateful to have you on today. Um, you know, that we talked about, you know, the, the fact that having non-conflictual uh, relationships in our life is really important and, and quite easy with the information that you've given us today. Um, I know, like you said, you know, you specialise in helping couples and families and individuals eliminate conflict from their lives and conversations. What I'd like to know is what do you think makes you unique in the marketplace to, you know, like what others are doing out there? There's a lot of noise in the marketplace on this stuff and how to live a better life and how to have the best marriage. But, you know, what is it that you do differently? I live it. I live it. I've come through uh, a conflictual family, um, uh, referred to nowadays, nowadays as a broken home. 
Um, and my first marriage, I married at the age of 20 because I wanted to sort of escape the conflict that I had. And my, my first husband had a large family that was all quite connected. He was, a, and I will say, he's got a narcissistic personality. So it was a very, very challenging marriage. Uh, I was treated very poorly. It was quite aggressive. No domestic violence, but a lot of domestic abuse. And I, it was due to the resilience that I learned from my mother, because my dad was the same, that I learned so many skills. And after that marriage, uh, I left that marriage and I had three children. I started studying counselling. I was never permitted to study. I tried three university courses. My then husband found out and I had to stop each and every one of them. So I wasn't allowed to study. I was allowed to work and earn money, but that was it. So therefore, I took the opportunity and in the last sort of 20 years, I've done, I've got now, I know it sounds a bit weird, I've got seven diplomas, I've got an undergrad, I've got a grad dip, I've got two master's degrees, and I've got a PhD. So I didn't stop wow. for 20 years and I loved doing what I did. And when I started counselling, I just seemed to fall in to families and couples and kids. They were just, they were just drawn to me, I guess, uh, and, and I just loved working with them. And... I get such amazing responses. And when you see that, that some of your strategies can help people change their lives, and that doesn't mean always stay in the relationship. Sometimes it's best mm. if they actually step outside of it. And as a family mediator with the Attorney Generals, I can therefore help people separate amicably and set their parenting plan so things are more even for mm. both parents, mums and dads. Um, so I, I actually live what, what, I, what I teach and I know that it works. And some of my strategies are a little bit different, like these three powerful words. They are just, they are, they're simple, but the way you use them, it changes your life. It changes your relationship. And I got such a, a surprise when I was thinking about writing the book, I went to my supervisor. He's been a counsellor therapist for 45 years. He's very high regarded. He was president of the association. He's now in his late seventies. When I discussed it with him, he just, he almost fell off his chair. He's written the foreword of my book actually. And he just said, Karen, I've done this for 45 years. And that is the simplest, most effective strategy I have ever heard anyone use. And I have been trained by the best. And I said, oh, well, wow, thank you so much. You know, like I was very humbled by that. Mm. And uh, he's still my supervisor and I still meet up with him once a month. Uh, and he was so right. And he said, you've got to get this in a book. You have to share it. And that's precisely what I've done. So if Brian is listening, thank you so much, Brian. And I will pass the, a copy of this podcast on to him. Uh, and it just, it just works. I just can't say enough that the information in communication harmony will change the way you feel and think and talk and discuss and communicate. And it just benefits your life. Well, you're certainly speaking our language, Karen. Um, you know, I, I'm fascinated by the way you, you go about uh, working with your clients and getting those accelerated results. And you've, you've explained a bit about that. And um, look, we're, we're getting such valuable information, aren't we, Chris? It's yeah. Phenomenal. And I mean, it's taken a different turn a little bit to what we kind of initially mapped out, but I love it because I think the depth of information that we've, um, we've got or that you're sharing with our listeners today is just fantastic. Um, you know, and I know that uh, they'll be hanging, hanging on to every word in this episode, Karen. Um, I, I think, um, Shaz, you wanted to sort of have a little bit of a, I think you were keen to ask some questions about the hypnosis side of things. Is that right? We were talking a little bit about that. 
Well, yes. Um, my understanding is that Karen has incorporated that in her sessions to achieve those fast results. That's fair to say, Karen? Yes, I did counselling for about oh, about 10 years. And what I noticed was I was getting a bit frustrated that with some of my clients, I couldn't move them as fast as I wanted to. And I didn't want them to come back for five and six sessions. I thought there's got to be a faster way. I started some research, um, discovered clinical hypnotherapy, did a couple of years training. And now I utilise that with um, many of my clients. I've actually started a, uh, a website called virtualhypnotherapy.com. And people can actually download sessions that one of the most popular ones it, talking along the lines of you are is called relationship recovery. So when we break up in a relationship, we sometimes want to hang on to it. We, we are still in love with the memory of what we had, but the reality has changed. And that particular session really helps people to, to, to emotionally disconnect. And, and Joe Abbey, most of you probably know from Nine Honey, I got to know her on the Today Show and uh, she was saying similar. I'm not saying anything out of line because she's written about it on, on Nine Honey. And uh, she used the session when she was struggling with her um, relationship breakdown. And she actually wrote a story on Nine Honey about it. The, I think I've got the attachment on the virtual hypnotherapy website. And she just said it just changed completely. The following morning, she woke up with a smile on her face and feeling energetic for the first time in nearly a year. Wow. And the emotional attachment had just gone. And that's what she wanted to get on with her life and, and raise her three beautiful children. So with things like that, we can go to therapy and talk about it, which is very beneficial. But if we can do a clinical hypnotherapy session from a professional therapist, then, oh my God, you get there so much faster. Well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, some of our listeners might be really interested in that. Uh, look, there was something else I was interested in, in terms of uh, when I read your book, there was a part about the parent-teen communication story. Now, while I don't have teenagers yet, um, some of our listeners do, and I honestly believe that my relationship with my child as a teenager has already started, so I'm mindful of laying that groundwork now. Um, but one of the best bits of advice I was ever given was by uh, a friend of mine, Tr Trisha Pye, te the tech expert she's known as here in our area, and shout out to Trisha. But she said to me, uh, you know, if you can arrange your work so that you're home in the afternoons for your teenagers, um, even if they don't interact with you much, but just to be there for them, um, this is something that will make a huge difference. And I think that's, I believe that, um, you know, this is at the heart of your parent-teen story, that, that both the parent and, and the daughter, in your example, wanted the other person to value them. They wanted the other person, and I quote, to listen, care, to be kind and considerate, unquote. What advice could you share in addition to this for our parents that, that have teenagers and maybe navigating some of that uh, volatility at, at this stage of life? Mm. That's a great, great question, Chaz. The one thing I don't know if people realise that when you have a, a child, say it's a girl that's uh, 14 and a boy that's 14 or 15, we, we do have, there's a few years difference in their brain maturity. So a boy the age of 16 is equivalent to a girl the age of approximately 13 um, emotionally and mentally. So, but if a girl is say 13 years old, her brain is basically 52% matured. That's mm. it. A boy at the age of 15, his brain is 50% matured. But our expectations are far more than that, particularly because they look so much older. When a girl gets to about 17 and a boy around about 20 or 21, only then do they actually develop the ability to understand consequence for behaviour. 
Before that, it just isn't there. The neural pathways just aren't there. But we do pull up our kids, we judge them. And a lot of the children, uh, the teenagers, I shouldn't say children, they're teenagers. When they, they come to me, they, they say that they don't feel trusted by their parents and they, their parents are assuming the worst. And just because their friends or, or the people next door do this, it doesn't mean they're going to do that. So guidance is a big thing, which basically Chris touched on earlier with modelling. And I don't know if I completely agree with the parent being home of an afternoon when a child gets there. I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't. I think that puts a lot of undue pressure, particularly on the on the mother, because so many mums can't do that. They can't be there when their kids get home. So yeah. therefore, I don't want them thinking, "Oh my God, I'm failing my child as a teenager because I'm not there." Not at all. Most parents, if you have teenagers, you're there. They walk in the door. They say, "Hi, how was your day?" And um, they go into their room, shut the door. You may have a couple of words exchange but you know what that's okay they might have to get on with their homework or check their social media or whatever it is but if you're a parent and you have to work which many of us do you sure. might facetime them or whatsapp them and just say hi i'm checking in at 3 4 o'clock how was your day we've got five minutes to chat so you put a limit on it and they say oh yeah hi mom i did this or i did that or i've got this assignment i need to do that no worries you've still touched base you will pick up as a parent if your child is in despair, if they're worried, you know that, you know your child. And yeah. therefore you can say, look, I've, I've just picked up something. Look, can we talk about that when I get home tonight at 5.30, sweetheart? So you preempt it. And, and that is sometimes more beneficial than actually being there and the child walking past it into their room and you knock on the door, is everything all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. And you won't get anywhere. So rather than necessarily being there, I certainly think being there when they're a bit younger is important where we can. Um, but when they're teenagers, they like their own space. They're growing into mature adults. Yes, they've got a long way to go. But we also need to be mindful of that and treat them as a more mature individual, even though their brain is only 50% developed. So rather than parents thinking, oh, my God, I'm failing my child because I work full time or I don't get home until late, we just need to reassure ourselves that it's okay. We just make adjustments to how we communicate with our child and when we communicate with them. And you can still do very well, but keep the line of communication open, keep it judgment free, listen to what they're saying. And again, be curious, ask them. Why do you feel that? What's the reason you think that? And once we can have that line of communication and curiosity open without the judgment, mm. then you could have a really good conversational exchange with your child on a regular basis. They will trust you. I love that. I, I love that. I think there's a lot of pressure on it. And I mean, I work with mums in the career space, Karen, and I think you hit the nail there because I, I feel like I have to be there all the time. So it's kind of been really refreshing to hear that. Um, I think for me, like Shaz was saying, her key takeaways, I have to say mine was uh, chapter eight, uh, you discuss assumption mechanism. And I know we're running kind of to the wire, but I do want to just mention very quickly that, um, you know, it, it's where people attach that old negative story. And I think um, it's one of those things that, uh, like you said, you know, we need to be curious before we start to enter into that whole conversation and that communication and not sort of go jump to that conclusion where we're going to have you know, attachment like, oh, well, this has happened before and this is what the whole conversation has to, and we go into that same uh, holding pattern almost. Uh, it's something I've learned in my personal development. I found that a really, uh, if, if you're jumping on a reading Karen's Communication Harmony book, I think, have a look at chapter eight and this, this is a really good, uh, good part. I thought, I just love the part you share about that, about that curiosity. 
Yeah, it, well, it is important. It, it, what you said is, is exactly right. I think actually chapter eight's the workplace. It might be chapter seven you're talking about. I'm not sure. Um, oh, right. Generalizations and distortions yeah. and deletions that we yeah. all have. That one. That's people. If people get the book, they can they can find it and read it. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good lead into what I was going to say next. So I want to just put out there that. You know, in gratitude to our special guest speaker, um, we, we're going to start including a segment with uh, within the podcast called the Unashamedly Obvious Plug, or <laughs> UOP for those playing at home. But uh, we do like our um, acronyms here. But this is where we're going to cast a spotlight on the on the project or the product that our um, guest speakers, uh, you know, talking about today. And so. Um, Karen, can you let us know where we could find out any special offers or where we could actually get a copy of your book? Um, that would be really helpful. Well, you can always jump on to Amazon and get it in, in either um, a Kindle or a, a paper form, a hardback form, or you can go to my, my website, the Communication Harmony Book com, and there's a lot of information about the book. There's a lot of free downloads that you can get. You probably need to read the book before the downloads because it won't make sense <laughs> to you. Works but you together. can order it online. You can actually get a book directly from me, signed and dedicated from me to you for the same price as you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, and I'm also going to be running something on my Facebook page, my DR, my Dr. Karen Phillip Facebook page, and asking people to share with me some of the issues that they're experiencing. And I'm going to give away a few books when I when something comes through. I think, wow, that is. It doesn't have to be resolved. It could be an issue that they're facing and experiencing. And I think, you know what? Bang, this will be perfect for you. I will be giving away some books for free to those people. So I'll be starting that on Facebook very soon uh, on my Dr. Karen Phillip uh, page, uh, Facebook page, and everyone will have the opportunity to win the book and I'll be putting up information about the book on that page. But there's a lot of, a lot of blogs uh, and information to read on that page anyway that should help. Let's That's fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you, Karen. We'll share that across our socials as well. Um, but look, you know, we just want to say that we are just so grateful for the opportunity of having you here today on our podcast or this episode and, um, and the opportunity to interview, interview you and share in discussion and education on communication harmony and the three powerful words that can really change and shape our relationships in all capacities. Uh, and on that note, this has been Chris and Shaz in the Mother of All Roles podcast, two real mums talking about real issues in the attempt to make the ordinary extraordinary. Remember to like, love, share, and we will catch you next month.